Hello and welcome to the Marvel Center Podcast. I'm one of your co-host, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. And today we'll be talking about One Division, the entire series, the mini series, the first series, the first season. Limited series. Yeah, the <laughs> the Disney Plus show. Um, it's been talked about a lot. It's probably the biggest thing going on at the moment in terms of conversation, pop culture, I guess, because mm-hmm. it's everywhere. It's also the only thing coming out, so <laughs> that probably helped. Um, it's been this and who's going to win Kong or, or Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. Those have been the only two conversations. Big lizard or big monkey? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I can't wait for that movie. Anyway, um, but yeah, I've still haven't seen the two Godzilla films. I've seen the first one. It's very. I think it's really, really good. I haven't seen the second one because I've heard bad things. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I heard it, and I heard someone say it's the Iron Man two of the franchise. So <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, before we talk about One Division, just want to mention the fact that we have an Instagram account at Marvelous Cinema Podcast, where we do week uh, daily reviews and weekly podcasts that get uploaded upload on Monday. Um, so yeah, we just do daily reviews of whatever movies. Uh, usually quite popular movies, but sometimes also a bit arty, a bit arty, you know, a bit arty. Um, and then on, on Twitter, we do the same thing, essentially the same thing over there, um, at Cinema Marvelous, um, daily reviews and weekly podcasts. Um, so yeah, so how? That's all. Yeah, that's us. That's all we do. <laughs> so Thank you for <laughs> um, But yeah, uh, so do you want to get started with your general opinion on the One Division TV show? So wonderful. So it's, I think we should say this. Um, this will be coming out on Monday, but we are sort of recording this the day after on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So very much fresh. Yeah, it was last night. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to sort of sum it up for me, I'd say I really, really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's perfect. Same, same. There are, you know, I've, 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 I've got my notes with me. Phil. Pad and paper, uh, pad and pen, paper, paper, pen, 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 pad. <laughs> Next to me with a load of, load of things on. Some of, some of which are are sort of things that maybe viewed as critiques. Um, so I'm sure we'll get to them. But on the whole, I think it's one of the boldest and bravest MCU projects, mm-hmm. yeah. and that in itself for me um, guarantees it a bit of affection from that point of view. That I admire it for what it. For the sort of the scale that it went for. Yeah. <clears throat> the ambition of the project. Not necessarily that it was a big thing like we used to with the Avengers films, but just for the kind of the story it was trying to tell and the format of it all. Yeah. And as well sort of the, the burden of it being the first Marvel show, which I'm sure again I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to. It wasn't meant to be that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it was. And in terms of the general MCU I think I'd, in terms of like ranking it in in relation to the ones is incredibly difficult, mainly because mm-hmm. how do you how do you rank a, a nine episode limited series in relation to films that range from about two hours in total? Yeah, I've, I heard a lot of people ranking it like automatically. I was like, are people are ranking this with the movies? It confused me a lot because I can't do it in my head. <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird, isn't it? It's like yeah. I saw a lot. Of, I saw someone say that it was their second favorite. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's straight in there. Yeah. Um, if I had to roughly say, I'd say it's probably around the, or in and around the top ten, maybe. Uh, yeah, I would agree. 
but again, it's sort of it's rough to uh, rough to judge. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? What are your general thoughts? Um, I think because we did a post quite a while ago on our on our thoughts about the first like two episodes, I think. I think it's um, two, yeah. Yeah, and I was I was all in. I loved the first two or three episodes. I thought them doing this full on just doing a sitcom, um, having it be oddly like genuinely funny at the same time as being really creepy at some points. <clears throat> um, I was like literally like I was in love with the show at that point, and I was kind of mm-hmm. hoping that I was kind of hoping that they would just keep it locked within. Um, within the hex, I guess we call it now, um, like within the sort, within the sitcom and within the mindscape of Wanda. Um, so I was, I don't, I would never say they've, I don't, they haven't dropped the ball, but I definitely, my least favorite episode was definitely the, I think the fourth one, where they, for mm-hmm. the first time, go outside of the outside of the sitcom area, and kind of, it feels like. And I couldn't. I did enjoy the episode. I thought it was very fun, and I did. I loved the trio of um, the Randall Park character and Monica and um, what do you call the the the, the sidekick from Four? Uh, Lewis, Doctor Lewis. <laughs> yeah, um, those. I love those three as a team. I really do. Um, but there was something about that episode which was kind of like I don't know. It felt like Marvel or whoever the producer or whatever was just like kind of. Maybe we need to explain what's going on before we keep on doing it. Um, instead of just trusting us with like going with it, um, and the entire episode was kind of just it was kind of meta in a way because it was literally people watching the TV show that we were watching and having their own thoughts about it and their own fan theories, mm. <laughs> um, which I thought was really fun and really interesting. But again, it felt kind of like you're not being as confident as I wish you were being with it to the point where as, as much as I love the last episodes after this episode, um, especially the second to last one, which is, I think it's my favorite episode mm-hmm. um, with Wanda kind of, we kind of have that moment where the backstory that's been implied is actually shown to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really great. But in the final episode, when all the military people show up and there's all this kind of, they just kind of they literally like kind of show up and then the film the TV show just kind of goes, oh this character deal with them and then deal with them and then I never really mentioned again, <laughs> and I was kind of like, it was weird that I was really thankful about that because otherwise suddenly I'd be annoyed that the a pretty big plot mechanic was just kind of left to the side but I didn't really care, which kind of implies that it was a part of the show that didn't work for me. Um, so yeah, on on the whole though, I do really like the show and I do love the. I love everything to do with Wanda and Vision and her children and the sitcoms. I love, I just love the the weird kind of only in Marvel, the Marvel style kind of of tackling grief, but within the context of magical being, like magical beings and artificial intelligence, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> which is really interesting. I think that's why the finale worked for me really well in the end because. It came back down to this being about wanderers and saying goodbye to each other, um, and I think that's what works for me most about the show. This idea of uh, the entire show is being about the grief of the um, after the events of Endgame, um, which is what I really wanted from you know like these movies after Endgame for like a good 
a good like four or five movies maybe <laughs> just mm-hmm. about people being depressed and uh, what they lost and what they didn't lose and stuff like this um so yeah i think overall i am really positive and i would agree mm-hmm. that if i was ranking it it would probably be in the upper middle like yeah it might be in top 10 but it was not it's still like 11 or 12 yeah um, so that's that's pretty much exactly what it would be for me it's just outside maybe on a good day, it might creep into ninth or maybe, maybe eighth <laughs> position, but generally it'd be around 12th, 11th. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I have a positive opinion on it. <laughs> um, and it is very good. I just wish it was not kind of treating the audience like, every once in a while, treating the audience like, we have to, we have to explain this, otherwise you won't like it. <laughs> because mm. I, I did like it a lot. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but what's your mm. opinion on, um, I guess from that, what's your opinion on just like what these TV, TV shows can be for Marvel? Um, well, I think it's something that we've, we've alluded to in the past, but I think one of the greatest things you can do with these shows is have them be deep dives into characters that we haven't had that time with before. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we know, we know Bucky, we know Sam, we know Wanda. We, we know what they've been through, mm-hmm. but we haven't been with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I've like never had a good thread of three scenes or whatever where we've seen them interact with other characters at great length, and we've never been able to properly flesh them out. I mean, I'm pretty sure until now, the only real bit of backstory we've got for someone like Sam is that he he lost his wingman mm, yeah when he was in the army and when he originally um he used the suits i can't remember it riley i think yeah yeah um that's sort of the only backstory we've had to him which again i i don't begrudge them that i mean at the end of the day he's a supporting character through most of these films mm-hmm. there's not really been time that has been able to just sit with these characters on the side i mean they've had moments Mm-hmm. I think the individual choices they've made, like in Civil War, for for, the, for them specifically, have been have been have been enough. I think what we, what I want to see from them is just to get to know them a bit better. Because you have, for Falcon and Soldier, for example, you have a great blend with those two characters, and they the ones they've chosen the ones that I I I would have liked to have seen. If that makes sense. So unfortunately, in that regard, I think. Actually, having a mini series focus on Wonder and Vision and their relationship was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that, well, well, I think Wonder and Vision probably got a little bit more room up until now than Falcon and Winter Soldier because mm-hmm. they certainly had more moments than some like Civil War. Yeah, yeah, but the fact that the like um. I thought I thought I'd probably mention this later, but I'm going to mention it now. So, the the final finale or sort of the second end of this series didn't have any major cameos, mm-hmm. which some people have taken against. I'm sure we'll get to that later. <laughs> but for me, I saw that as a major positive. Same. Mainly because it remained a character-focused thing with Wanda, which is what it promised to be. Mm-hmm. Like you have that flashback episode, which again is also one of my favorite episodes, mm-hmm. in that 
for the first time, maybe since Iron Man 3, mm-hmm. we've had this chance of, well, let's check, check in on the actual mental health of these people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, it, it was great, um, properly exploring her. And that is ultimately what we want from these Disney Plus series. They're not meant to be these massive universe-ending things. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps even one of the things that WandaVision is a little bit guilty of is that it, at times it is a little bit too big. Yeah, kind of. Like the idea of this massive hex thing. Mm-hmm. Now, especially when you see it in the wide shots in the later episodes where it's this massive, giant, tall thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so to set that aside, the fact that these these Disney Plus shows should be six or nine or however many episodes it should be, just spending time with these characters in between the big events. Yeah, like I'm actually quite glad that this hasn't resulted in the breaking of the multiverse. <laughs> because yeah. I, would just, I would just like six hours where yeah, there's good drama which this show has. But nothing where we've got to do this to save the world. Yeah, the thing the thing with me in the multiverse is that I just want it to have its own movie, like, mm. <laughs> and not be introduced in a different thing for later. Mm. Um, I, 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 I don't mind having it across several projects, like if it is in Spider-Man 3 and Doctor Strange and maybe something else. I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. As long as you have this in-between bit, because if it's... If it's the world ending every week, then the world ending isn't a big thing. Yeah. Like the fact that um, Endgame and Infinity War sort of worked with because there was a good build up to that. Yeah. yeah. You have a good build up towards half the universe being at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that was the case of every film, then it would be dumbed down a bit. Yeah. Um, and that that's ultimately. What you what you need to have the Avengers films for? Yeah, it, the Avengers one is New York gets invaded by aliens and the world's at stake. <laughs> Age yeah. of Ultron is mad synthoid robot wants to destroy the world by throwing a big rock at it. <laughs> <laughs> really? They are they are exactly that. Yeah, and that's what they should be. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think a good parallel to this is the Fox X Men movies. I don't know why mm. I keep thinking about these movies recently, but. Um, they, every X-Men movie from X-Men 3 onwards is some big world-ending event. Um, mm-hmm. Either Dark Phoenix is happening and all that happens, and then we have uh, a future where there's apocalypse and all this sort of things. And then we've got literally, you know, the apocalypse with X-Men Apocalypse. Um, and then Dark Phoenix again. So none of those movies ever had like in between movies <laughs> um mm-hmm. it was all the big event movie and i think the one that suffered by far the most was apocalypse because it's like watching infinity war but without the 10 movies beforehand that make you care about what's happening to these characters mm. without uh, actually being able to see like the relationship between uh cyclops and Jean gray <laughs> yeah it's really annoying as well because apocalypse it pretends to be a team coming together for the first time movie and a character kind of introduction to these characters like Jean Grey and Cyclops and Nightcrawler. But it's doing that at the same time as doing 
Infinity War, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and it just doesn't work. And I think going Dark Phoenix, you can really feel that kind of, you didn't make me care about Jean before, so why should I care now that she's suddenly so, you know, traumatic and all these other things? Because she was only in the last movie for like 10 minutes. <laughs> um, so, mm. yeah. And I think so. Marvel's definitely got a handle on that more than more studios have um, when it comes to their big event movies like Endgame. But I, but I do definitely agree that I would, I think these shows are their, what I want from these shows and what I think they are doing, especially now we have a really good example of WandaVision is a TV show, TV shows that can say, well, what's this character doing in their daily life and what's their kind of primary fear and their desire and what is, what is their relationships like? And I really love the fact that we're getting TV shows about Bucky and Falcon and WandaVision and Wanda uh, and Vision um, together. And I think it's interesting that they're essentially taking these characters and putting them together and then having them be in a pretty small scale story for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having it be about why they're doing what they're doing. Because that's all WandaVision was really about uh, in the end. It was kind of just like seeding in really interesting filmmaking and really interesting concepts and kind of, yeah, some cool cameos and some cool, you know, Easter eggs, but also kind of the whole point of that show and the penultimate episode at least was just why how do we get to the point where Wanda out of everyone in the Avengers was the one that did something this kind of villainous is in a sense really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I find that really interesting going forward and I think I I mean a good example I always think is the fact that Tony Stark is the main character of those of the Infinity Saga at least you you could obviously you could say. Um but it's weird that once his trilogy was wrapped up, his relationship with Pepper is all off screen essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, I think he, he breaks up with Pepper off screen, and he gets back together with Pepper off screen, and then I think they get married off screen as well. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, yeah, I think, and I think Endgame is definitely the movie that kind of brought it back and definitely made it work a bit better than it was working in between Iron Man three and then Endgame. But yeah, there's a thing about big blockbuster Disney movies that require some sort of third act structure, some sort of obvious antagonist, um, a big end battle usually. And it kind of it kind of makes these characters boxed in to a certain extent of what they can do. Mm. Um, so having these TV shows where, you know, you just got a little town and one division is all about someone's grief becoming a literal power. Um <laughs> uh, and then her dispute going kind of crazy. I just think mm-hmm. that's a really interesting way of going forward in between the movies. Um, but yeah, yeah. she shows a willingness to divert from those from the movies that they've been doing, mm-hmm. which is something that at the end of the Infinity Saga is something that you desperately need, something to just shake it, shake it up a bit. Yeah, which is why I think we both agree that the the most annoying part of One Vision are the fact are the parts where they kind of make it a bit more conventional. Hmm. Um, I, I think we haven't really talked about this, but the finale itself, um, how do you feel about like the big the big fight, the big laser battle? <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking the actual fight, I think I think it was fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I try to put this into words. I liked the fact that, you know, you think she's missing Agatha. 
when in fact she's putting the spells on the walls. I, I like the aspect. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, was a, it was a neat sort of aspect to the fight, but I think the best part of those fights in the final battle was where they just talked to each other. Um, the standout more being the vision v vision. <laughs> yeah. And that sort of theoretical debate that they have was brilliant. It's kind really of a callback to my... It's kind of a callback to, I think, both of our favourite moments in um, Age of Ultron with uh, yeah. him and Ultron just having a little, a little like, philosophy kind of chat in, in the woods. Mm. <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, yeah, it's yeah. just one of the best scenes from that film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I th- thought, you know, the, 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 there were there were a little load of laser beams flying about. Um, I saw a lot of people complaining about the way it looked, but I didn't really have any problem with it. Yeah, I, it was a weird thing because I thought it looked good. I there were definitely moments where I went, "Oh, that's a TV budget <laughs> sort of thing." Mm. Um, I think there's some like flying parts where you can definitely kind of feel the fact that uh, Elizabeth Olsen's like on a rig <laughs> in front of the <laughs> screen. Um, I, but by no means, I think that's detrimental to the actual quality of it in the end. Um, no, I don't. I don't, I don't think it was. Um... Yeah, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what to talk because I've got a lot of little notes down, little things, like little trivia bits, or mm-hmm. a few little trivia bits on, on, on what they could mean. Um, what, 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 what did you think of the finale in general? Um, I liked 80% of it. I really <laughs> liked, I really loved the, the last, like, 15, 20 minutes. Mm. I thought that was like top grade Marvel. Some of the best, this kind of, is like what we were talking about before, like what we want from, what we want from these shows. Um, mm. It's incredible that we got an entire TV show dedicated to getting a character to the point where she feels happy, not happy, but feels kind of okay with saying goodbye. Um, mm-hmm. Considering she didn't get a chance before. Um, so I think that's great. I, I think the the big, you know, the big battle and the Agatha kind of just explaining what the Scarlet Witch is um, and lasers and magic and red, you know, red things and blue things and <laughs> the power of purple. Um, I thought, I, again, I thought it was fine. It didn't really like, it didn't make me go, oh, we're doing this. It was, it was more just like, okay, we're doing the, you know, the Marvel third act thing. Um which usually it works in the movies, but I just think here I wanted something different. Um, mm. So yeah, I was pretty fine. I was just fine with the first ten to fifteen minutes. I just thought this part, this would probably make someone who was annoyed with the fact that we were, were doing like a sitcom thing really happy, I guess. But for me, it was kind of just like, oh, okay, we're doing this. But I, mm-hmm. yeah, I think for me, the moment that really started to really like really work for me was when she's up in the 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 height of the hex and she's doing the ruin thing um mm. and then that kind of turns into just like a crossing like 20 minutes of screen <laughs> just like goodbye to everyone everyone hates wonder mm. because she kind of you know she she's like i like the fact that she's not really a hero <laughs> in the sense because mm-hmm. no, she... like she's done some bad things here <laughs> And I love the fact that we're not really going to comment on that that much. We're kind of just going to let it be and not try to force her to be a hero, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, de- she's kind of like an anti-hero in some ways. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, uh, you could definitely describe her as that. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think it's, I'm... it's what, what's a massive compliment to it is that she's now so well developed and thought out that you don't know whether she's a hero or a villain. Yeah, yeah. That's probably one of the one of the best things that the way they've fleshed her out is that she now doesn't neatly fit into one compartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's because uh, just before I did this podcast here, a bit of insight into my personal life. I was watching Edge of Ultron, <laughs> um, and I I don't love that movie. I think it's mm-hmm. I love. I think I actually do like love a good like fifty five percent of it. Um, but well, that's the majority of it. Yeah, yeah, it's over there. It's, it's In government, that will get a, a bill passed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and I. Yeah, and I think um, previously to WandaVision and even the other movies after the, the Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. one of my least favourite aspects was kind of the the more implied kind of depth for those two characters, um, mm-hmm. Wanda and Pietro, that wasn't really explored as much as I wanted it to be explored. Um, and I think it was kind of just kind of like one of those wishy-washy elements that, to that film where... I talked about it too many times probably, but the fact that the film ends with Tony repeating the same mistake of creating a big artificial intelligence robot, but this time it just goes well because I don't know something you know. Despite chance, it, it went well this time, meaning he didn't really learn anything. And I think that's that entire film in a nutshell, where it's leading to some pretty great growth and conflict, and then just kind of drops the ball in the third act really hard for me. Um, and Wanda and Pietro were definitely in that kind of dropping the ball area. But with WandaVision and watching it this morning, it was kind of interesting seeing Wanda and going, oh, this character, I love this character. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is, it changes it. It's great when that happens. Yeah, and I just love the fact that, you know, Pietro was never a favourite of mine in the MCU, but knowing the, the actual depth of the effect that his death had on her, going like, because... Mm-hmm. Because previous to WandaVision, we kind of just assumed in between movies he got over it and kind of just didn't think about it anymore, him, mm. him dying. But now that we know that it's a pretty fundamental part of her, um, a grief and a bit of a, a trauma with her that was replaced and kind of filled with the presence of Vision. Mm. And then hit, getting, then losing him, you know, that's makes her, to me at least, one of the most interesting characters in the MCU now. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's brilliant how it doesn't just... It's not just... Oh, this is all triggered by Vision dying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it's it's been triggered by her parents dying, then Pietro dying, and then <laughs> and because I mean I'm I'm pretty sure technically speaking for her because obviously she was snapped. I think for her it's still only two or three years since Pietro died. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it should be because she yeah it was Pietro died, then civil war, and then snap. <laughs> and then she's just back and then she has to kill Thanos I guess <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. that would be crazy by the way just waking up being like oh I'm in a war <laughs> <laughs> so thinking, oh we don't oh no we're not <laughs> yeah um, yeah um, uh, also it's sort of part of that is one of my favourite MCU quotes now mm. is uh, that quote from Ultron not from Ultron from Vision mm. Where he says, um, "What is? I am I'm paraphrasing, but what is love if not love? What is grief if not love persevering?" Mm, yeah. And I, again, 
this isn't like a criticism what I'm about to say, but I, I adored the last 20 minutes, but I genuinely thought that um, during the goodbye sequence, uh, Vision Vision asks uh, Wanda what he is, mm-hmm. and she responds, my love. I thought she was going to say, my love persevering. So did I, yeah. <laughs> Which, if it was, that would have that would have broken me. Yeah, that that, that would have killed me. <laughs> they had mercy on me, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's still a killer line, but... Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I yeah, I think um, the I think what's fascinating about this show is that you could really say that what is grief if not love persevering is kind of the entire show in a sentence. Mm, it is, yeah. Which I think is a great thing, and I think that's what's interesting about the possibility of these shows, where it can literally just be like, okay, we have a theme that we want to go for. How do we do it with the toolbox of you know magical spells and artificial intelligence? Um, and I think they're doing it really well here. Um, so I think it's interesting that I can actually see at the end of the show that it was about something. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it can sometimes not be the case with Marvel, where I think mm. some movies do just exist to fill the gaps with telling you what a character is about. Maybe mm, I think all the all the. All the best films and all the films you remember, all the films you hold dear to you, mm-hmm. they're all films that you can look at and say, yes, this is what that was about. Yeah, yeah. You're not just saying, oh, Doctor Strange kind of filled in the gap of what magic was in the MCU, <laughs> which mm. is kind of how yeah. I feel about some of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's understandable. Yeah. It's it's sort of the thing that connects us to it, mm-hmm. and being able to sit, say that. One division has been about grief and love. It sort of it gives it that extra extra heartfelt quality. Yeah, um, and it's crazy to me that uh, next time we see Wanda, it will be in a Sam Raimi directed movie. <laughs> yeah, it will. The, the king of the the what's it about? <laughs> yeah, uh, the moral oh. the moral center of a film, the king. Yeah. Oh my god, that's gonna be. I haven't really like thought about that because I don't think I can think about it too long. Otherwise, I'll die. You know, because <laughs> Sam Raimi's doing a movie <laughs> with Danny Elfman scoring. Yeah, like Jesus Christ! Oh my god, um, that kind of neatly brings us onto maybe a bit of talk about how this might link into that. Mm-hmm. Like this, this one division hasn't majorly set it up. Not really. Like some people were predicting it would. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no appearance from Doctor Strange. Like I mean, like I said earlier, I, th- I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't. But one thing that this has left me questioning is, since Doctor Strange comes out after Spider Man, mm-hmm. I I don't think that uh, No Way Home is going to be a multiverse film. It's becoming more likely <laughs> that it's not, yeah. Because uh, obviously, I, I, I know people are saying that, you know, it's fact that they're, everyone's signed on. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, we get to see a picture. That's all I'm saying, all right? There's no <laughs> proof, okay? Yeah. But I'm, I'm increasingly... I'm increasingly thinking that it's just going to be some sort of cameo. Yeah. Because all the pictures and all the indicators we've had so far are that this Spider-Man 3 is just about Peter surviving after his, a bit, his identity has been revealed. 
I think it. I I think that's what I'm hoping for in that movie. Mm. <laughs> I think the idea of the Spider-Man multiverse, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield is is an like an it's an alluring idea, and it kind mm. of does have my interest because it's Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. But at the same time, I just want a movie about Tom Holland's Peter Parker. <laughs> you know, I just want that mm. movie. Um, yeah. Um, how, that being said. The second post-credit scene for this mm-hmm. does kind of give an indication for where this might. Go. I mean, I know I'm I'm veering off into theories here, <laughs> <laughs> which after the some of some people's reaction to One Division might be a dangerous thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'd I'd like to say that in advance. You know that that, that that's not how you should treat a theory. Yeah, it... it's now it's now I treat theories. I always take it the grain of screen of salt, but. When you see Wanda with the Darkhold, mm. um, first of all, my first thought, is she astral projecting like Doctor Strange was? I think so, yeah. Um, but you hear the screams of her children. So she might be able to go to a, a dimension and get them <laughs> out um, of the dimension. <laughs> which, yeah, yeah, it indicates that they did have a soul. Yeah. And see. that she, she can go get them. Uh, that ties into the fact that in the comics, the Darkhold is made of dark. By the way, this is from um, before you did this. I watched the Mister Sunday video mm-hmm. <laughs> on the post-credit scenes. Um, that's where I got this information from. Darkhold in the comics is made of dark matter. Would you know what dimension that's from? The Dormammu dimension. The Hell dimension. The Hell. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm loath to say his name. Mm-hmm. After the last few months, but that could be how Mephisto comes into the story of her children. Yeah, maybe. Just imagine what if as a madness is Wanda goes to hell to get her children. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I think that's a strong possibility. Obviously, nothing's saying stone. I don't think I've ever correctly predicted the next film after watching a post-credit scene. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, also, nothing about the Darkhold. Its presence in this in one division kind of retcons Agents of Shield. Oh, does it? Now, Agents of Shield has been in a, in a status of is it MCU? Is it not? Kind of, maybe officially isn't MCU. Kind of officially is. Yeah. However, the presence of the Darkhold in one division kind of it's a, something that points to it not being canon anymore. Because the Darkhold is in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, is it? It forms like a major uh, part of one of the seasons. Oh, I didn't know that. It's like a major plot plot device for season four or five. Does it look the same as the... um... No. Oh. (laughs) It looks very different. (laughs) Maybe it's um, the Orden vault thing thing where it's like a fake one <laughs> maybe that's just true um something like that but yeah and also somebody said that he got stolen in doctor strange i think oh might have yeah um but anyway that's enough theory for that i think <laughs> um which all brings us on to a question that i have for you mm-hmm. where do you think this is going 
Uh, as in for Wanda, what do you think is next for Wanda? Uh, what would you want to see? I think, I think there's a possibility that with the post-credit scene, especially like in mind, I think that is the possibility that Wanda is going to form an alliance with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in order to, and the way that I think I want to say is Doctor Strange needs her for something, but the only mm-hmm. way that she says yes is because. She promises that he promises that if they go to hell, they'll get his um, her uh, children. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that might be a possibility as to why they would be together in the next movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Sorcerer Supreme does get a mention in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that mentions him yeah. or her. Which yeah, um, maybe question for good for longer than it should have done. I was thinking about. I don't think Doctor Strange is technically Sorcerer Supreme. Is he not? I don't think he is. But didn't the Ancient One die and then he got the mantle or something? I think she died, but I don't think anyone's ever actually called him that yet. There was no ceremony. He calls, he calls himself the Master of the Mystic Arts in Infinity War. Oh, okay. So but he's I not... Think... So I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that'll be addressed in Multiverse of Madness, but I don't think he is. He's like middle mad, <laughs> middle management. <laughs> actually, wait, no, he, may, he might be because he has the stone, doesn't he? He does. That, that probably, yeah. I don't... Honestly, I've got no idea. <laughs> anyway, sorry, you were saying. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's where it's going in Doctor Strange territory, at least. Um, oh, and I do think the the Vision, the White Vision, I, he's definitely going back in some way. Yeah, I was going to say he just kind of he just kind of fucks off. He really does. Yeah, it, it, made, <laughs> it made me just, laugh. Just leaves. Yeah, it really like because like they have that great um, conversation in the library, and I love the fact that it's. Literally the the most kind of philosophical, <laughs> philosophical like technology based kind of conversation where it's mm-hmm. they, they talk about it was like metaphysics. And you're like, all right, we're doing this now. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I, lo- I love that it's similar to how I love sort of parts of Doctor Strange is that it's not just them beating each other to death. But... Mm, yeah, I yeah I was hoping that they would find a way around the the superhero film curse of just laser on laser until one is the stronger laser <laughs> um, which I was really worried about uh, it's really annoying actually with wizards in blockbuster films in general a lot of blockbusters with like wizards in them they just end up having a a laser battle that just mm-hmm. kind of either lasers the more powerful and I don't get why mm-hmm. um, that always uh, whenever that happens I always think this is like um, a button mashing sequence in a video game <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's keep pressing X. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. Um, I love the fact that he. I think um, it might do that kind of somewhat annoying Marvel thing, Marvel Cinematic Universe thing of just kind of reversing the effects of it. Where I think mm. it's tired. I think they've put the the playing cards down. Where it's possible in the future that Wonder will get her children from Hell or wherever they are essentially, and then also get White Vision as the new Vision, because he has the same memories. Um, I think it, that... I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like that's kind of the, the usual Marvel thing of just kind of going, yeah, no, we're not doing the actual thing. We're just doing the, you know... We ha- we're doing it for a bit, and then we're reversing it. Um, mm, it's going to be the idea of consequences, isn't it? Yeah. Things are going to have meaning. Yeah, and it's kind of... As soon as uh, Vision gave White Vision the the memories of him, I think they, I think anyway, I think that's what he did. Mm-hmm. 
as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, are they doing this? Like, it's like, and I was kind of happy that I didn't, White Vision kind of didn't come up again because I was going to be really kind of disappointed in some way if mm. she says goodbye to Vision, the hex kind of goes away, and then all of a sudden, White Vision shows up going, oh no, I'm in this body now. <laughs> mm. um, I, saw, I saw something quite funny last night. It was, it was the reason that White Vision leaves is because he's going to the paint store to get some maroon paint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think okay. So what do you think? What do you think this is going after this with Wanda? Um, I think very very similar. I think either the Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch are going to form some sort of alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, that serves both of them. I I can't imagine those two characters liking each other. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be honest, there are very few characters that I do imagine Doctor Strange liking. Yeah, he hates everyone, really. <laughs> There's just one. Aside from, like, one friend in the in the school. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's like, he likes one, and maybe he gets on with Bruce Banner. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, oh, and you also have the fact that, technically speaking, everybody that um, everybody that died and came back, that is technically Doctor Strange's fault. Yeah, kinda. Which but, therefore means that it is technically his fault that Vision's dead. That's true. But Which could play into that. It could. Yeah, yeah, it definitely could. I think um, it's I think it's interesting that he saw a billion futures and only one of them they won and that included a five year time jump. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the rat conveniently pressing the right button. Yeah, yeah. Um and I love that film. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think something like that. Um, I think, I think a lot of that film will probably revolve around some threat popping up as a result of Doctor Strange not having the Time Stone, um, and maybe Wanda. Wanda, I, I've seen somewhere the idea that Wanda goes and sort of becomes Doctor Strange's apprentice. Because she's she's not yet of the power that she could be at, and she needs to learn in order to save the kids. That sort of thing where they make an alliance because Scarlet um, Wanda needs to know more, basically. Yeah, and there's only so much the Dark Holes can teach her. Um, so yeah, that's that's roughly where I think that will probably lead. Um, as for the whole multiverse thing, I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> who knows um, it, one, 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 one quick little thing what were your thoughts on what they did with Quicksilver oh yeah I think this is my the, definitely the thing I didn't like in the show for the most <laughs> um, mm. it, I'm not really in general like a fan theory person at all like I hear about them a lot and I mm-hmm. kind of go I don't want to put things in my head if it's not going to be how it ends up and I don't want to be like, oh, this has to happen, otherwise it's not a good Marvel thing. And it's because, like, the storytellers tell the story how they see it. Mm-hmm. So, why imprint your expectation of, you know, a character you want to pop up happening? Yeah. The, the thing about uh, Quicksilver that annoyed me was why him? <laughs> like, why have the Quicksilver everyone likes from the X Men franchise? Why put him in this movie? 
why put him in, you know, the the Quicksilver classic outfit in the Halloween episode? Mm-hmm. And then uh, why give him the whole Pietro name, the memories of the Pietro from that universe, uh, all that sort of thing? If all it ended up being was a really awkward and kind of like really flat scene between him and Monica with the mm. the weird Borna joke. Mm-hmm. What what it I, was a really flat scene. I cannot get my head around that scene at all. <laughs> um yeah. My my overriding feeling from that scene is probably one that very unique in the relief. <laughs> oh. Because but in the back of my mind, if that was revealed to be Quicksilver from the Fox universe I think I'd have my heart would have sunk a little bit. Really? Mainly because I while I, I I love the cast of those X-Men films. I just think it's too much of a mess to bring that over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just 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 make your own. Uh, yeah, if, I... if 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 they'd done the whole thing of my my biggest fear would have been they did the whole that, and then all of a sudden Michael Fassbender turns up at the end. Because yeah, that was... would have... For, I know some people wanting that, mm-hmm. but for me it would have just been, oh no. <laughs> because I just, when it comes to Fantastic Four and the X-Men, I just really want the MCU to go in its own direction. Oh, same. Yeah, definitely. And um... for me, sort of, while I liked... I liked like I, I got the initial buzz of seeing Evan Peters turn up as Pietro. Mm-hmm. It kind of undercut everything that I was constantly thinking, please don't do this, please don't do this, please don't do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, it was just relief when it turns out that he wasn't. And yeah. I, I kind of get why they did it. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea that they were just messing. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you don't mess with nerds because nerds just... Get angry, yeah. No, 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 no demographic of people are as spoiled or as petulant as nerds. Really are, yeah. <laughs> and they'll like, <laughs> they'll go like. I remember, and uh, someone said this in a joking way. They were, they were, they were like, kind of point, pointing fun at the fact that nerds were really kind of just angry about anything, even back when Marvel wasn't even popular. Really, um, that in like in the late nineties or whatever, people. Like nerd people and comic book people and superhero film people will be like, you're like we're like we're like repressed people, you know, like we're repressed. Like you're okay, you're you're like no, that's not that that's not what that is. <laughs> that's a very different thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I mean for the past like nine weeks, YouTube has just been YouTube thumbnails with Magneto and Xavier and Quicksilver, and, <laughs> you know, the Mephisto and whoever, and I've just been like. Mm-hmm. Ah, nothing is going to satisfy this many ideas. Um, which kind of leads into my next question, actually, about how do you feel about, in terms of this show, how did the, how do you think the weekly schedule affected it in the long term? I liked it. I did too, yeah. I mean, yes, it, it, it meant that everything was heightened. Everyone was expecting <clears throat> great things. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I still enjoyed that. Yeah. Like, um, I would like to sort of bring to the attention one thing that I saw. All right. Um, this this kind of annoyed me and also made me amused. All right. <laughs> uh, so as part of the podcast, obviously you follow various accounts. And one of the accounts I follow, I basically follow because 
A, I like the sort of track the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Um, and B, I just like pissing myself off. But... <laughs> uh, so the, the account's got quite a lot of followers. Um, TC does comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, 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 he did a post after the, um, after the finale. And it was, it was basically saying, um, being annoyed that people's fan theories didn't come true. Right. It's yeah. it, the post. The post is something like, "Oh, you thought your little theories were correct, Marvel," and then it's a picture of Wanda scrunching her face up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the the caption, the caption, the caption achieved the great dichotomy of the nerd. All right, <laughs> it both annoyed me and amused me. Yeah. <laughs> the caption says, "It's not all the fans' fault. Marvel did itself no favors with their release schedule." Then it says we just expected too much from Marvel at this point. I wow. just wow. <laughs> I just think yeah, they did no favors with their release schedule. You mean you mean treating it like a TV show? Yeah, TV's been going on for a long time, and it's usually like this. <laughs> we've only been having we've only been having the binge release for the last five years. Yeah, <laughs> how are you so attached to that? It's crazy, and I think in a lot of ways I do prefer um, weekly schedule because mm. if I watch an entire season of TV in one day or like a week, even a week, it kind of makes it all blend into one. It kind of mm. just, because in my mind with one of us, I can clearly go, week one was this, week two was this, week seven was this and all that, but if the show came out all at once, I would probably start going... Oh, there's there's a lot of you know a lot of fun sitcom stuff. Then it ended with the big battle, and then I think at some point we had you know a big exposition kind of outside the hex episode. Um, mm-hmm. But having it be weekly and have it kind of be allowed to breathe, I think was just a really good choice. Mm. I just think it's the weird fan fascination with mystery mm-hmm. boxes <laughs> in a sense. Um, yeah. That's happening. I want to talk a little bit about mystery boxes in pop culture in general because mm-hmm. it's kind of been made coined by as a term by JJ Abrams, <laughs> and I think for the most part, not all the time, but for the most part, I do think he, he uses it well. I think mm-hmm. when he uses it, he's usually to add drama and to add kind of you know, Miss Possible Free, for example, has a it has a device called the, the rabbit's foot. And it's never explained what it actually does. And therefore, from this, you kind of get the sense that maybe it's like a black hole device <laughs> because it could be anything. So it's that it's kind of a bit more terrifying in that sense. Um, but in terms of like pop culture, kind of, you know, um, you know, Marvel, DC, whatever it is, fans and the way they consume movies and TV has turned into like a weird thing of like, how can I predict what's going to happen and how can I unravel the mystery of what the film is about um, in a in a purely kind of surface level kind of way of just what's the TV show about? Is it going to sell? Is it going to sell this character? Is it going to sell this character? Is it going to kill this character? Is it going to mm-hmm. do this? And it's like maybe TV show and movies are about more than just hyping up the next thing. <laughs> you know, maybe mm, I, this- I think. A lot of it sort of, if you're looking for one point where it sort of started, a lot of the culture surrounding Lost mm, yeah. sort of helped that develop. And it's 
it's been something that's grown a lot with the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, various various little factors around it. Like I, I, I enjoy the whole thing of oh well, Mary, this is going to happen. We saw this. There's this Easter egg. Let's explain that. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy that. I enjoy that sort of aspect of being a fan. Yeah. About something and theorizing stuff like that. It's just that you've got to know that you can't take that too seriously. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes an Easter egg is just an Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. Like the the whole Nexus thing, the Nexus ad in the WandaVision, I can't remember what it was. Everyone was saying, oh, it's, it's a multiverse is coming. No, it's just a reference to the fact that in the comics, Wanda is the Nexus being. Yeah, and... That's all it is. And I think there's that disconnect where some people aren't able to separate a, a cheeky little nod with mm-hmm. this is what's coming and therefore I expect this to happen. Yeah, and sometimes the films that are getting made and the producers behind those films do get lost within that and it leads to some of the worst films in these franchises mm-hmm. where, I mean, Iron Man 2, for example, it's just, for the most part, just the Black Widow and uh, Nick Fury and, you know, all these different plot mm-hmm. MacGuffins and all these different, you know, Easter eggs. And therefore, the actual film, the story the film is telling about legacy and grief and kind of, you know, uh, taking control of your life is really, like, diluted by the end of the movie because it's not about that. It's about Black Widow being in the next movie. (laughs) It's just weird. And it's annoying because... I think it's annoying most of all because it's kind of like people are watching this not because they love it as... Um, as pieces of to get a bit arty, you know about it. They're not looking at it as a piece of piece of uh, a piece of art. They're not looking at it as who what are they trying to express through these characters and the toolbox of the genre. It's more kind of what is a short hiding from me. <laughs> what is the you know what's the the behind the scenes producer plan in the future? Mm. And what's really annoying and really weird is that, yeah, sure, we wanted the multiverse and all this stuff of the show, and it didn't really happen. But at the same time, it's not like we know for a fact that it's now never going to happen, because we know the future, you know, slate of movies from Marvel coming out in the next few years. <laughs> so it's crazy that people are going, well, they, they fucked it, they, they ruined it, there's no multiverse. And mm. like, there's a movie called The Multiverse of Madness coming out. Like... <laughs> Just wait a bit. You know, people have waited. People came out of Empire Strikes Back and had to wait three years to see the next one, and they had no idea what it was called, what it was going to be about, who was the villain. They just had to wait for it for three years. So it's crazy to me that, like, multiverse didn't happen in this one show that was about grief and loss and love. And then they were like, well, they, they've ruined it. <laughs> as, well, as well, when you consider the fact nobody told them that the multiverse was coming. Yeah, no one said it. <laughs> No, it wasn't like Jack Schaefer went on IGN or whatever and said, oh yeah, the multiverse is coming. <laughs> and that yeah. also speaks to another point that the media, I said the media, look at me, <laughs> sort of producers of articles and stuff like that have also not helped because the two big things when it comes to interviews of this has been, A, this thing about Elizabeth Olsen saying there's a Luke Skywalker level cameo and then what Paul Bettany said. Both of which have been blown considerably out of proportion. Yeah, really. Mainly because people believe that 
Elizabeth Olsen said there was a Luke Skywalker cameo, level cameo. That's not what she said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was. If if, if you listen to this, and you, you you don't you don't know about this. Go and check like the the interview and the original articles. The interviewer asked her, "Is there going to be a Luke Skywalker level cam a kind of cameo?" Mm-hmm. And she said, "Yes, I can't wait for you to see what we've done." Mm-hmm. Now, that was completely warped out of context. And now knowing everything, because Elizabeth Olsen has said in the past she's a massive fan of Wonder in the comics. Mm-hmm. There's an interview from I think way back from Age of Ultron where she says that she would love for them to adapt How to Them. Yeah. And looking at the finale. It is clear to see when she was asked that question, what she is referring to is Wanda becoming the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that moment where the crown comes on and she transforms into the outfit, it is painfully clear that is what she's referring to. Yeah. And uh, as for the Paul Bettany one, anyone that actually watches that interview can tell that he is joking. <laughs> yeah, especially like now that we definitely know it, it's kind of really funny watching him. The way he says it as well, like this actor's this actor's amazing. <laughs> mm. as well, great. Even even after the post credit scene from the last episode, you know you know that's what he's referring to. Yeah. And it's been completely whopped out of proportion. People have just moulded it to what they want to think. Yeah. It's yeah, it's so weird. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I I just want to say like a last point to that topic is like if you're going to these moves in tv shows of marvel and kind of going there to feel like you've got an extra piece to put into the puzzle i can't relate to you on that one (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I kind of wanted to go to them and see them as films that are about something using the toolbox of the comics Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's crazy but from Uh that the more kind of lighthearted discussion maybe how do you feel about the actual scarlet witch outfit Oh, it's brilliant. It is, yeah. It I looks, love it. It's by far her best outfit. Oh, because yeah. Because she, she's been guilty of... <laughs> she's probably the one that's had the, the, the worst costume so far. Yeah, definitely. From just sort of at the end of Age of Ultron and Civil War, just being... Just put her in some red leather. Yeah. And it's not even like... It's barely the same. It's kind of just a trench coat, but red. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> I don't like um, but now with this, I mean, obviously we do still have sort of the red, red sort of leather outfit, which is very reminiscent of, I think it's Magneto's outfit in Apocalypse. Oh, yeah, yeah kind of, yeah. Mm, but just better. <laughs> yeah. um, and the, the thing that just makes it is the crown thing. Yeah, I love that little, the M, or I guess upside down would be one, Wanda for what yeah. done. <laughs> Yeah, um, everything about that outfit is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and when she when she like you know when she's like walking through the town at the end and she's got mm-hmm. the hood up and then as she flies away she just transforms into it. I was just like, oh god, that's a great outfit. It really is. It's yeah. like I forgot for the last ten minutes or so, and then she showed us it again. Like, yeah. <laughs> I I think it like it kind of maybe uh, reminded of the power of the seeing characters in the actual costume from the. Mm-hmm. The iconic images, at least, of uh, the comics. Um, I think, you know, and I think we talked about this last night a bit, but the the Fox X-Men movies have been kind of guilty of... I think it kind of somewhat made sense in the early 2000s where it was 
really, you know, Batman and Robin just happened. People did not like that movie. It was too camp. It was too neon. Too many colors. Too many, you know, out- outfits so outrageous. Too com- like too comic booky, I guess people would mm-hmm. call it. So in two thousand and two thousand three. 2006 to a certain extent, I guess, it kind of made sense to be like, let's not put the gruff, you know, cigar-smoking Wolverine in a yellow and brown spandex outfit, you know. I kind of get why in the time period, so I kind of somewhat forgive it. But Mm -hmm. considering that it got to the point where it was like 2019 and the fairest we got was like, blue and yellow jumpsuits that were the exact same on each character like that's as far as we got and, mm-hmm. and even then like the they nailed it to a certain extent and at the very last you know the last little scene in apocalypse where cyclops looks like cyclops He's got the the yellow the blue bodysuit and the yellow kind of strap and mystique's wearing kind of a various on, on the white kind of cloth outfit um and it's kind of like, oh, we're doing the X-Men. Like, I can see the X-Men now. And it's, there's a power in that. I think there's generally a power in the seeing a character look the way that they're meant to look. Like, mm-hmm. uh, classically, at least. And then from that, sure, do your variations, do your take on it. But the fact that we haven't seen, you know, Wanda in the Scarlet Witch outfit until now... It's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. And to to be fair though, now that we do have it, it's so like well earned. I think it's a great outfit and just a perfect like doing the comic books, but in a certain level of reality, I guess. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. Another thing for the X Men films, especially by the time you get to X Men Three, you've put Kelsey Grammer in blue makeup and fur. Put him in <laughs> yellow on the uniform. Come on. I know it's crazy and. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they thought they were doing like a really cool big thing in the third film when they put like kind of like, a bit of a highlight in the in the outfits. Like they were wearing the leather jump the leather jumpsuits, but at the same time there was like a single line of yellow on Wolverine's outfit. <laughs> and they were like, We've done it guys, we've we're satisfied the fans. Bizarre. Yeah. We have a great outfit. Um one other thing uh, from sort of from we haven't talked about yet. How did we feel about Agatha in general as a villain? Um, I love the performance by Kathy Yan. Kathy Yan, is it? Yeah, um, Catherine Han. Han, okay. Um, I think it's Han. I think it's Han. I think, Han. <laughs> um, I think she's great, and I think the character mm-hmm. she was threatening for a good bit there in the middle to be the worst part of the show for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I think she's bad or a bad antagonist or whatever I just I was really 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 worried that she was behind the entire thing um, mm-hmm. I was really worried that she created the hex I was really worried that she was the entire I was really worried that she was just the bad guy and not just someone who was there to check out what was going on mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of a relief for me that in the like second to last episodes, he was kind of used as more kind of a, a, a reason to explore the character through a character who knows more about her than she even knows about herself. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that, I think Agatha in that sense was really well used. I do kind of, I had I had like a iffy feeling about it at the time, but I think in retrospect, it really works with the character kind of uh, Wanda being kind of an anti-hero where mm-hmm. she, her way of like, 
giving justice to Agatha was making her pretend, making her permanently into the into the neighbor character. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like a horrific, like that's worse than death <laughs> um, moment. And I think in in a moment it kind of threw me off, but I think knowing the character and knowing that in the world she's kind of hated by everyone because of this event and kind of again kind of an anti-hero i kind of like that aspect of the character where she's a good guy but she's not you know a hero (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah i kind of i love that aspect how do you feel about agatha i think agatha for me she's very similar in in what she brings to one division to Obadiah Stane in Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. In that A, it's a great performance from Catherine Hahn, I agree with you there. She's brilliant throughout. Um and there's also the the, the fact that she just fits within the story and she performs a role in the story. Mm-hmm. Like she performs it well, the idea that she's there sort of Making things a little bit worse, <laughs> like, <laughs> like poking a sleeping lion. Yeah, um, with what she's doing, and she has, I feel like she has a she a motivation, a reason for what she's doing. It's totally fine. I think mm. it's it's solid. It's understandable. It serves the whole plot of discovering who Wanda is. Yeah, it moves things. She moves things along. She's 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 good in that, yeah. She's good in that. She fits the role of what a villain should do in this story. Yeah. For me, there's nothing that really sends her into the higher tiers. Mm-hmm. There's nothing other than a really compelling and interesting performance from Catherine Hahn. There's nothing that really elevates it above, like Obadiah Stane level. Yeah, it. Yeah, I think she's a really, really, really fun um, plot factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If that, yeah, she kind of she's there to kind of give the story a bit of a momentum in near the end, and kind of mm. to push Wanda into recollecting what she is and why she's doing these things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, she, she's not just there. She, she, everything's explained well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also love the fact that she's like a full-on witch. Like, <laughs> I love that when she shows up at the end of the the second to last episode, she's literally like in the most witchy outfit, and <laughs> just like, <laughs> like full-on. We are just doing absolute wizard and witches now in Marvel mm-hmm. Cinematic Universe. Um, I guess my only complaint about that character is the the laser, like you know, the the laser battle, purple versus red, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. which is kind of just, you know, I just, I, I wasn't like disconnected, but I was just kind of like, ah, uh, can we just talk for a bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, little thing. Who do you think wants to see Monica? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess someone important. <laughs> Uh, I think well, I, I feel like this this isn't a particularly vague one. I think it's one of three people. It's probably for me. I guess Nick Fury, maybe. Yeah, Fury. I think it's either it's either Nick Fury, Talos, or most unlikely Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but knowing that that um, 
Nick Fury and Talos are with the Skrulls and with the Skrulls showing up. Mm-hmm. It's probably just both of them. <laughs> yeah. Just together being like, hi, Monica. You all right? <laughs> remember in the 90s? <laughs> like, yeah. Do you, remember, do you remember when I impersonated your mother? <laughs> Isn't it like when, like, when aliens come to Earth, it's like the craziest thing to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not like the snap and the Ultron and... <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you feel about Monica in general being her final moment being kind of a she turns into like cosmic lights or something like that mm-hmm. yeah she like stops the bullets yeah I um, yeah in general when it comes to Monica I think she's really well established mm-hmm. but much like her um, Jimmy Woo and Darcy in that they kind of fall to the wayside yeah, they really do. Like they're they're really important in that middle section. I enjoy them. I do. I like all of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe not Darcy as much as the other two, but Jimmy Woo and and Monica, I think, are brilliant performances and just great, great, great characters to have in there. I think Monica, you have set up a great storyline there. Yeah, for future things as well as the the whole returning from the snap is a brilliant scene, mm-hmm. which has sort of been buried under everything else. <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, yeah, that is, that is a great scene. But uh, they sort of just yeah, Monica's got her powers and she's going to show up and use them once and then that's it. Yeah, it. <laughs> uh, she's kind of in that section of the of the TV show for me where I'm like, I did not need this honestly. Mm. I mean, I uh, I would I would say that I f- I feel I feel a little bit different to you in that I think that. That episode outside the hex, I do think it kind of needs it. Like, uh, I think you have you have a more mysterious show without it, and like you said, it'd have been better if they trusted the audience more. Uh-huh. But I feel like you do kind of need that. This 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 is a more experimental project, and it's a more out there project. But I still yeah. think you have to have that element that ties it back into the MCU. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think for me, it's the thing was the fact that it was a full-on episode. It was like the mm, entire thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you there. I don't think it should have been full-on. I think you should have had the first two episodes as they were, or maybe in the first three episodes, but then just sort of have the outside of the hex in dotted in more. Yeah, yeah, I know. You and that, that sort of ties into one of the sort of the major issues that I have with it in the. Episode, I think it's seven. Mm-hmm. Feels like it's missing something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. In um, the, I just feel like they kind of. <laughs> it very much still felt like Wanda was the priority, as it should be. Mm-hmm. But it just felt like Wanda, Monica, Jimmy, and Darcy were just sort of. This is very much the B plot, and <laughs> yeah. we finished the B plot because we've explained what's happening. So we're going to have Jimmy be arrested. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. That's the thing about these characters where I like them, and I think they're well established as mm-hmm. you know likable and potentially really interesting characters going forward. Especially Monica being probably going to be actual character, like a mainstay character. Um, and again, again, that, that sort of speaks to what we want from these shows and establishing characters better and giving them more time to get to know them, which this show has done. Yeah, That's definitely. what it's done. We know Monica. We like Monica. We like Jimmy Woo being mm-hmm. on the X-Files show. 
Yeah. Yeah, I Sorry, think it's... Same. I just think it's... I wish that the the outside the hex stuff, the whole Monica, Jimmy Woo, Darcy, I wish that was more interesting. I think I wish the script or whatever was more interested interested in making us care about those characters in terms of like their backstory um, mm. compared to kind of like one scene of like, oh, um, Monica's mom died in hospital and then she snapped back. Um Anyway, we're going to explain what's happening in the plot now through these characters. Mm. Um, I think they call it... There's one moment in particular that really stood out to me of, like, this isn't working as well as I hoped it would, um, where Monica is kind of... She kind of, through, through pure strength and cosmic energy, like, walks through the hex. Um, I guess the, the other side, through pure, just, like, being a cool person. <laughs> 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 but... And in that moment, they kind of overlay on top of it um, the voices of um, Monica's mother and Captain Marvel and all these other things that are trying to like motivate her, motivate her to do this. Um, and it kind of annoyed me because I think they call it, I think it's a term for it, where it's like this band, band-aiding kind of motivation where you feel you didn't have time or whatever to do with the actual motivation stuff. Therefore, you just kind of give her the motivation while she's doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we, that scene where she goes through, I think, I, I like it as a scene. and I think it's good, but why is it there? Yeah. As, in, as in, why is it, it feels random in this story that is what about Wanda and Vision. Yeah. That we're yeah. getting this side character with this story. I mean, don't get me wrong, like I said, I like it, I like the character, but it's just one of the, and it ties into, I feel bad saying problem because it's a show that I really like. I really <laughs> liked WandaVision. Yeah. But the thing that this sort of represents is that the best thing I can describe it as uh, is as teething problems. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this transition from films to TV, because obviously up until this point, Marvel Studios haven't made a TV show. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they didn't have people working on it that have worked on other TV shows and didn't know what they were doing. I just felt like the transition had a few teething problems. Mm-hmm. In yeah. that this isn't... It's not... I think the, the word I've written down in my notes is it's not optimised to be a TV show as good as it could be. Yeah. Like, not every... Not every episode and every second of the runtime is used as you would normally see in a TV show. Mm-hmm. And scenes like stuff with Monica and generally outside of the hex, they are mm-hmm. they are they are the symptoms of that. I think. I mean, I think as time goes on, they are things that you can work on, and I think they will. Like I, I mm-hmm. trust Marvel to to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, it's just that for now, with this initial show, that's what, we, what we've had. Yeah, I think in retrospect, for me, I think it would have been it better choice if that fourth episode where they finally go outside of the whole sitcom thing was just kind of a a, a slice of life of like Monica Rambo's life in general post a snap mm-hmm. like because um, I mean there's plenty of TV shows that plenty of TV shows that do this where you know I think not to go back to the left the leftovers I guess again no, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there's an episode in every season where we go to this one character He's usually like a background character and we kind of just go through this character's life and his day-to-day and his struggles and his 
his kind of um, main reason for being there thematically. So I would love it a lot more if that fourth episode was more about Monica's life um, and her grief and her loss and her love. And then mm. maybe end it with like a five minute scene of like someone saying, we need you at Westview so something's going down, maybe. Compared to an entire like half an hour of just, okay, so this is Hex and I think one is in it and she stole the business body and uh, <laughs> and there's like the sitcom thing going on and like there's these characters I think they're actual people um, I just wish it was because like just trust us to kind of just get it with not as much time spent on explaining it I think was for me the main issue and anything around that issue I loved but that issue mm-hmm. was kind of at the centre of it sometimes and I think it really became obvious that it was kind of not working as well as it could have done when in the last in the last episode, Monica just kind of shows up <laughs> and she she's helpful. She just saved the children's lives, but when she talks to Wanda about understanding her grief and loss and pain, it was less kind of affecting because I was kind of like oh, yeah, yeah, you lost your mother. I kind of forgot. <laughs> it was kind of like this one scene thing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's... This is my one issue of the show, kind of just this really weird way of not quite trusting <laughs> the mm. audience. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think, I think I'm going to mean... Like, like, like you've got all leftovers, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a mention of Fringing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do know Ian because there's an episode um, in season two of Fringe where it's a, like a flashback episode mm-hmm. where an event that's that's crucial to several characters is explored through it, through a flashback where things are explained. And there is another episode similar to it that happens in season three, which we just had. Mm-hmm. But the idea of just having the episode dedicated to something instead of constantly trying to feed it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, I feel like it would have been oddly negative, considering we like the show a lot. I know we have. <laughs> yeah. we've, we've, we've had a go at the fan base. Yeah. We've, <laughs> we've slated the structure. We've criticised the villain. Yeah. We've <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, the best part of Wonder, the best part of the TV show is Wonder and Vision, and they are in the show for the majority of the time, and we love it. <laughs> yeah, we've got to explore them. And it's been it's been good. So, on the in the interest of ending on a, on a plus note, we have the performances of Elizabeth Olsen and, v, and Paul Bettany. Yeah, they they killed it. <laughs> yeah, they are consistently brilliant. I I second any call for. Elizabeth Olsen to be nominated for an Emmy because I think she one hundred percent deserves it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the just the scenes in that in the eighth episode, the flashback scenes are just they're brilliant. Yeah. Um, first of all, the scene the scene where she just says, "I can't feel you." Mm-hmm. What a gut punch! <laughs> and as well as that, like the idea that she had to act as a a nineteen forty sitcom character, <laughs> like mm. believably. And, and did genuinely it. funny. Yeah, yeah, it's really... That must be difficult. And, like, they did that in front of a live studio audience, and that's mm. not what she's used to or what any of those actors are used to. So that's really interesting that they actually did that, and it's it landed so well <laughs> to the point where I wanted to stay in that sitcom for as long as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and it ultimately it achieved the fact of these supporting characters, which people liked, and I, I, I liked them mm-hmm. before. Yeah. It enabled us to genuinely be able to say at the end of this series that we cared when Wanda had to say goodbye to Vision. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait till I watch Infinity War at some point this year and just be like, oh, I like these two a lot more now. I, I get what their relationship is and why they're together. Like, mm. Wanda saying goodbye to him now isn't just, you know, saying goodbye to someone you love. It's more, you know, Pietro died, her parents died. <laughs> She's like, literally, she is, he is the only last thing in her life that she actually has a connection to. And she has to kill him. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of the Marvel and what they can do if it's going back and adding depth later on and doing it beforehand as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to mention? Um, I guess, like, this final thoughts of just... I think we both agree that this is a very good show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, we both really like it. I... If we were ranking it, it'd probably be maybe like number 10 in the 24th film that came out. <laughs> um, but yeah, how do you feel? Just final thoughts. Very, very similar. I'd yeah. say it was around, it's, it's around that 10th mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a show that's shown a lot, of, a lot of vision, a lot of ambition. It's a great indicator for where Marvel are heading at the moment, mm-hmm. especially knowing some of the projects that are coming later, stuff like The Eternals. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that they are willing to take such huge swings, yeah. be confident in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, even even if they do have the teething problems, it's all right. I mean, teething problems are fine. <laughs> Having those issues are ultimately fine, providing you fix them. And I do have faith that they will. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, this was always going to be a case of this is the first Disney Plus series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like I said, a lot of ambition, a lot of vision in there. Great lead performances, a genuinely captivating prospect. Yeah, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, so very positive review overall. We have our issues, but you know, it's nothing fatal to the quality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess we're wrapping up now. It's kind of a shorter one than usual because just the one subject, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Uh, Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, give us a review on whatever platform you're listening on if you can. Um, so also, yeah, we have an Instagram account to remind you um, at Marvel Cinema Podcast where we do daily reviews and weekly podcasts upload on Monday. And we do the same thing over mm-hmm. on Twitter at Cinema Marvelous. So give us a follow, give uh, like a post, a like maybe, give us a listen. Um, if you, uh, if you just, just want more of us. Yeah, there's one, there's one more of just... Whatever this is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right, so see you later then. Yeah, thank you very much. See you later.